0: I'm telling you, he liked Ozima and smeared off ice.
1: For business owners? By
0: business owners. This is the Primed Income
1: Podcast.
0: Let's kick this thing off with what are you really? Selling, air quotes, all caps, unair air quotes.
1: Most people think that they're selling what they're superficially selling, right? I'm selling HVAC service or repair. I'm selling plumbing service. I'm selling jewelry, etc. right? Sure. But if your goal is to attract relational customers, if you want people who are looking for an expert they can trust, and are willing to pay a premium for a better class of expert and willing to pay a premium to do business with people that want to do the job, right. Want to take care of their customers are honest, etc. The thing you have to realize is they don't have your level of expertise in your own business. Why would they, they have no ability to judge you based upon your technical skills. They don't know how good of a jeweler you are. They don't know how good of an HVAC guy you are. They presume that if you're in the business, you know what you're doing to some level. So what are they really doing? They're looking for a relationship with you. That's why they're a relational customer. So what you're really selling is a relationship. You're really selling yourself as a guy in their corner who they can trust. And as soon as you understand that, you have a different sense of your ads because you'll stop hawking product or offers and you'll start acting like you would if you were trying to become somebody's friend.
0: Instead of doing features and benefits, we've got the best quality, the most quantity, uh, the best customer service that would change into.
1: Why you got into business in the first place? What's really motivating you? Are you only in it for the money or are you in it? for other reasons, right? Okay. You talk a lot more about what's motivating you, what kind of person you are. Hell, you could talk about your dog, right? <laughs> you could talk about the kinds of things that you would talk about when chatting somebody up at a cocktail party.
0: And that kind of And that's a totally door. different
1: mindset than I need to pitch you on how great of a plumber I am mm-hmm. or how great of a jeweler I am. If you talk about why you got into jewelry in the first place, if you're second generation, why you chose to to take over the business rather than going doing something else, that's far more powerful at establishing that bond with prospective customers than bragging about how many rings you have on display. So why and there's is a that? time and a place to talk about that kind of stuff, but it's not what you would lead with. Why is it more powerful to
0: have a conversation where you're not hawking your features and benefits?
1: Because if you're selling a relationship, then you want to act like someone you'd want to be friends with. (laughs) Now, if somebody goes up to you at a party and starts trying to sell you life insurance, that's not a person you want to be friends with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have cocktails.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So if you get your head around that, like they're really looking to find a person they can trust, an expert in the field they can trust, and they're going to judge you based upon what kind of person you are rather than your technical skills, because they can't, then you approach how you attract that person entirely different. You know, how many times have you had somebody come in because they were friends with your brother or they go to the same gym as your wife or some little weird, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon style connection. And it makes no sense. Why does that have anything to do with how good of a roofer you are? It has nothing to do with how good of a roofer you are. It has everything to do with them being able to feel as if they have some connection to you because some connection beats no connection. And it doesn't feel good to put your trust in a stranger. The traditional way of doing that is networking, right? A business owner that belongs to the country club and goes golfing with all these people or you're in the rotaries together. I don't know. That kind of thing. What mass media allows you to do if you use it properly is to, quote unquote, network with all the listeners. That's where that whole cocktail party rules comes in. You don't want to walk up into a cocktail party and start bragging about what a great jeweler you are. Nobody's there for that. Nobody wants you to try and pitch them on life insurance at a Christmas party. If it's after church and you're doing the whole coffee social, coffee donut social, what are you going to talk about? You're probably not going to talk about how you've got a you know, special offer for only 50 bucks. <laughs> I'll come, right? You're going to talk about the stuff that normal people talk about their family their kids stories and if it does come to what you do it'll be like why you do what you do why what you love about what you do it seems like a small thing but it's not it's a huge mindset change right from i have to get on the radio and i have to tell people why i'm the best and why they should choose me to i'm i'm going to i'm going to make conversation with these people and let them get to know me so that they can feel some connection to me and understand that I'm I'm in this business for a bigger purpose than just making money. And the great thing about that is nobody can copy that. You can have a USP, and maybe it's an actual gangbuster USP, and it works. Like people actually choose you because of it. It's not going to take long for somebody to copy that. Most of the time, unless it's unless it's intellectual property, right, and you've got a, a patent on it or something like that, people can copy that. You know, the the the, the Dodge Caravan came out, I believe, in 1984, and mm-hmm. it was it was unique to Dodge. Nobody else had that. The modern minivan was freaking unique, and everybody who would have bought a station wagon wanted a minivan instead. Mm-hmm. They sold a quarter of a million of them. They couldn't make them fast enough. It was a true USP. Do you know how long it took the other car manufacturers to get one? Come out with their own minivan? Chevy came out with the Astro in 85. So it did take them a model year because it's a car, right? Like they got to spin it up. Right. I think Ford came out with their Windstar, Aerostar, whatever in 86.
0: Toyota moved Maybe pretty quick too.
1: Yeah. And then a couple of years later, every major manufacturer had one. Toyota and Honda, all of the big three, right?
0: By the early 90s, every single manufacturer had one. And not, right. not to go down a you know rabbit trail, but God, what an ugly vehicle.
1: When they came out, <laughs> they were cool. That was the thing to have, right? The whole sliding doors, easy in, easy out, and the amount of space it had, and the fact that you could park it in the garage and it was easy to drive.
0: The sliding door was... Absolutely the coolest thing because you just sit there as a kid and just slide it back and forth. That was fun.
1: I will tell you that my buddy's mom's minivan was like the perfect vehicle to do mailbox baseball with. (laughs) (laughs) You can slide that that door open and
0: (laughs) (laughs) whack. But I got to dispute the point because I'd have to say that VW actually came out with. The first mini.
1: They had the microbus, but microbus. it was kind of done by the seventies, right?
0: And it wasn't and an it actual really was, it didn't... minivan in the sense of what minivans were when they when Dodge released their Caravan. Yeah, can we please? It get was back a different product with unique selling propositions. Yeah.
1: So the whole thing is caravan. so like when when Coors made Coors was a regional brewery, right? Until the eighties, they were only in like Colorado and a couple other Western states. They decided they had to make a move to become a major brewery and they launched and they had the Mark Harmon was their spokesman. I don't know if you remember those ads, but their big thing was cold filtered. They were not pasteurized. They had cold filtering technology. They became very popular in the 80s. But when they launched that campaign, I think in like 84, cold filtered. Do you know how long it took before somebody else came out with a cold filtered beer, non-pasteurized? Not long. Like a year. Miller, Miller came out with Miller Genuine Draft, non-pasteurized, like the next year or maybe two years. The point is, USPs are copied. Airline miles were huge until everyone had one. But why you do what you do, your life story and how you go about your business, that's unique to you. That can't be copied. So like, remember, Volvo was famed for their, their safety stuff, a three-point safety harness, right? Mm-hmm. The, the roll cages, the side beams on the doors. Uh,
0: There's a good station wagon. Uh, one right. of now, the, the first
1: to do airbags, right? Yeah. And then in the 90s when they started, the, it became mandatory. Every car had to do that. Volvo mm-hmm. ran this ad that said, who do you trust? Do you trust the company that did it because it was the right thing to do or the company that did it because Congress forced them to? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that that internal motivation, that mission, isn't copyable the way that the features are copyable
0: you know i'm starting to think that jeff has watched seen heard every ad ever written in english that's what youtube is for joe you need to get off of that other site and come over to youtube oh it's wicked good (laughs) is it wicked good you see what i did there that's called foreshadowing yes
1: (laughs) Yes. so the point is is that establishing why you do what you do and talking to people like a human, way different than trying to beat your chest about how you're the best or why they should choose you. That That's a huge difference in how you approach ads. And if you really want to see this done extraordinarily well, even if you have reasons why, even if you have like, hey, we're unique because we do this, let those things be a manifestation of or a proof of your mission. So when you look back on the old Purdue chicken ads, it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Frank Purdue came out and he talked about breeding his own special breed of bird. He talked about developing a special feed for them. He talked about his distribution system, which allows them to deliver the chickens unfrozen. Those are all great reasons why, but they were all just supports for his passion and desire to make a fantastic chicken for people. And people bought his passion way more than they bought the fact that this breed's better than another breed or this feed's better than another. That's the way to approach it. What most people do is they skip that reason why. They skip their burning passion. They skip the things that that shaped them, the storytelling things that shaped them, their scars and their, their sacrifices, and they just go straight to the reason why. And it doesn't work as well. Even if you have the reason why, but for most business owners, they don't have a unique reason why, right? There's nothing unique about you as a plumber from another plumber in terms of objective reasons why. Mm-hmm. And that's just normally the nature of craft. A good roofer versus a bad roofer, there's probably 50 or hundred things they do different and they can go into that. But what really matters is, and, and this is why most every business owner says, well, we care. When you ask someone what makes them a difference, the difference is we care. And they're not wrong. It's just that you can't say that and have people believe you. But you can tell the story about why you care and make people believe you. You, if you say, well, we care. Nobody gives a shit. You can say we're family owned. Eh, nobody gives a shit. But if you talk about being with your dad when you're 10 and going up on a roof and your dad talking about how this poor family had a leak that did all this damage because the roofer didn't do this right. And he's pulling it off and showing you the right way to do it. and You know, you finish the job and the family's thanking you because they now know the roof is right. That instills in people the idea that, oh, yeah, his family really cares. He really cares. He's got a deep emotional conviction that this is the way it has to be done. And to not do that would be to be letting his dad down, letting his family down, letting his customers down. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they care. And those kinds of stories are stories you might tell at a cocktail party.
0: It certainly gives a lasting impression.
1: Right, because you get people to go into the story with you and see what you're seeing and experience it firsthand, right? It has a lot of persuasive power. But that kind of thing is what helps people find, form a relationship to you, to feel as if they know a little bit about you. They know a lot more about you than they know about the next roofer. Some connection beats no connection. That tips the scale in your favor in terms of them wanting to trust you with their roof, which is to say to trust you with everything inside their home being protected from the elements. When you understand that, hey, I'm selling a relationship with me and my company, I'm not selling this service per se, that changes how you think of advertising. That's why we call him the professor, Jeff Sexton. Find more professoring at primedincome.com.
0: All right, Evan, turn the recording off.